covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. We do welcome you into another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. It is great to have you with us as this is the 2019 season preview edition of the podcast this week. Baseball that matters begins as the Brewers are set to open up the season coming up on Thursday. Our housekeeping items to take care of here at the top of the program. If you want to get in contact with me, best way to do so is via Twitter. You can find me at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. And uh, if you listen to the podcast via Apple Podcast and want to leave a ranking and review, that always helps out as well. On the podcast this week, our featured guest is going to be Jim Goulart. Uh, he is over at uh, BrewerFan.net, one of my favorite people to bring on to the podcast, and uh, we'll preview the season with him coming up here in just a little bit. I think from a very general standpoint, there's a lot of reasons to be really excited about this team this upcoming season. And you get excited in some areas, you kind of get cautiously optimistic in other areas. From an offensive standpoint, the team should be better. One through seven, this lineup is really, really good. You don't need Orlando Arcia to do that much in the eighth spot. You know, if you can just avoid hitting 160, even a 200 hitter, I know you want a little bit more than that out of him, but you don't need much more than that, especially if he's able to come up with clutch hits, which is something he has done through much of his career. The offense is going to be really good with Mike Moustakis having a full season uh, in the lineup. Obviously, the addition of Yasmani Grandal. There are so many reasons to be pretty excited about what this team can do from a run-scoring standpoint this upcoming season. From a pitching standpoint, I think there are reasons to be a little bit uh, cautious about the bullpen, especially with the injuries to Corey Knable and Jeremy Jeffress. Neither of those players are going to open up the season on the opening day 25-man roster. We'll talk more about that in our headlines of the week coming up in our next segment. This bullpen was one of the best in baseball last year. There are still some really good pieces to it, but you lose a couple. Uh, I'm recording this right now, late Sunday night. We'll see what David Stearns maybe does between now and Thursday. If there's another piece to the bullpen that potentially is added, whether it's a big name like a Craig Kimbrell, who uh, they have reportedly been in on, or even a more strategic name. They did add uh, one player uh, this past week, and again, we'll talk about that in this week's headlines of the week. And then I think one of the most interesting aspects of this team is the starting rotation. Because you got three young guys in the rotation who are finally getting that legit opportunity to be one of five in the starting rotation. And Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta, and Corbin Burns. They're going to join Yuli Chassin and Zach Davies as the five-man rotation when the season gets started. Uh where Chase Anderson plays out, he's going to start the year in the bullpen. Where Jimmy Nelson plays out again, I, I know I've said this now three times. We'll talk more about that in headlines of the week. We'll see where those guys end up. But a lot of reasons to be uh, just excited about watching what happens with that starting rotation. The Brewers are high on those three guys, those three young guys, Woodruff, Peralta, and Burns. And all of them have shown flashes, maybe even more than flashes, but they haven't been truly given that opportunity to be in the five-man rotation and have that spot really secure. And now they get that going into this season. So this could be a young starting rotation, and it's up to these guys to really uh, step forward. So that's kind of the team going into the season. 
Uh, they will once again use a lot of guys. They've used a lot of guys each of the last two years. They'll utilize uh, the depth that they have, bringing guys up and down. Uh, there's some young players who are set to make their major league debuts at some point this season, namely uh, a Keston Hira and a Mauricio Dubon. But uh, you know, coming up one game short of the World Series last year, being division champions, uh, this team has a lot that they want to accomplish this upcoming season, and uh, we'll see what they are able to do. Again, we've got Jim Goulart coming up uh, on the podcast this week, but right now let's get to this week. Week's headlines of the week. It doesn't matter if it's right in the middle of the summer or winter. There's always news about the Brewers. Let's look back at the week that was with Matt's headlines of the week. We touched on a bunch of the things during our opening segment. First off, uh, a couple moves were made this week. Uh, Eric Kratz gets traded away. And it's kind of a bummer. Uh, we knew there was a pretty good chance that this was going to uh, end up happening because when they brought in Yasmani Grandal, there really did not seem to be a place for Eric Kratz. Now, they were going to keep him deep into spring training just in case something were to happen to Grandal or something were to happen to Manny Pena. Uh, But it it got to a point where there was enough health going into the season that there was just no room for uh, Eric Kratz. Give the Brewers uh, credit. Uh, They kept Kratz kind of in on the loop the whole time, so he knew what was going on. So Kratz, who very quickly became a fan favorite, had a huge impact on the team last year. He moves on. He gets traded to the uh, San Francisco Giants to get a uh, minor league infielder uh, in exchange for him as they bring in C.J. uh, Nohosa. So he's going to uh, join the organization. We'll probably see him at double-A this upcoming season. Brewers do make a signing this past week as well as they bring in Alex Wilson. Wilson was in camp with the Cleveland Indians uh, when he found out that he was not going to make it onto the uh, Indians 25-man opening day roster. He took an out in his contract and uh, he signs a deal with the Brewers so he joins the bullpen and uh, as we're recording on Sunday night Three guys are competing for the final two spots in the bullpen. Jacob Barnes, uh, Jake Patricia, and also uh, Taylor Williams as uh, Wilson, Josh Hader, Matt Albers, Alex Claudio, Chase Anderson, and Junior Guerra are all set to be in the Brewers' bullpen. No Corey Knebel and no Jeremy Jeffress. Both are banged up. Seems like Jeffress is a little bit ahead of Knebel. We'll see when he's going to be able to uh, rejoin the team and uh, join the active roster. He is continuing to throw. In fact, they were able to uh, move up some of his things by uh, a couple days, so he's getting closer. The Knable situation is one to watch. He's had an elbow issue uh, with his UCL for for a number of years, and he's been able to work through it. Seems to be affecting him a little bit more now than it has in the past, so the question that's being asked is, is this something that he can continue to pitch through, or is it something that's going to require surgery? It seems like the organization thinks that he's going to be able to pitch through it, that they're going to be able to do some rehab, and he'll get back to where he has been, but you never know. You get enough doctors looking at something and finally someone might say you know what it's just smart to take care of this right now and if that's the case that's not going to be good and that's going to be an extended absence for uh, Knable so certainly uh, watching out on that 
Brewers have been connected to uh, a number of uh, bullpen pitchers, uh, especially Craig Kimbrell. He's the the big name that's still out there on the free agent market. It's incredible that a guy like Kimbrell has not yet been signed. Uh, according to uh, some sources, uh, Brewers and Braves are both in on Kimbrell. There's been some uh, recent reports that maybe the Cubs are getting in on Kimbrell as well. You have to wonder, might the Cubs just be raising the price for him, uh, and, you know, especially since the Brewers are involved. The Brewers have done that. You know, it was rumored that uh, a couple years ago with uh, Hugh Darvish that the Brewers weren't really involved, but the they were more than anything else just raising the price uh, potentially for the Cubs. So, you know, the game behind the game sometimes, you don't know how much uh, teams are really interested in somebody and how much teams are uh, just doing something to maybe raise the market or impact one of their rivals. So that's the pitching situation going uh, into the season. As far as the position player group, uh, it's going to be Yasmani Grandal, Jesus Aguilar, Mike Moustakis, Travis Shaw, Orlando Arcia, Ryan Braun, Lorenzo Cain, Christian Young. Yelich, those would be your starters. Uh, and look, it's Craig Council uses everybody, and you know he considers it a position player group, not really starters and bench guys. But that would be kind of your uh, base group of guys. And then Manny Pena, Eric Thames, Aaron Perez, and Ben Gamble are the guys who you would kind of consider the bench guys. Gamble's going to have a big role, especially with this team uh, with as much rest as Ryan Braun needs. No guarantee that Lorenzo Cain is going to uh, play as much as uh, maybe he did last year. So having a guy like Gamble, Aaron Perez, will probably see maybe a little bit more time in the outfield this year as compared to uh, last year, there's certainly going to be a need for those guys and how Eric Thames fits onto this roster as well and how much outfield time he gets, uh, how often he's over at first base, all questions that will get answered as the season gets going here coming up soon. Uh, One last thing, Jimmy Nelson had to kind of take a pause this past week. Uh, he had some elbow soreness. Now, reportedly, uh, his velocity was down a little bit. This is just going to be part of the process with getting Nelson back. It was always a long play for Jimmy Nelson. You know, getting that shoulder back strong, getting that shoulder back healthy. You know, I- I've said it a number of times. You kind of have to pump the brakes on the expectations for Jimmy Nelson for this season. Whatever he gives you is going to be a bonus. So right now, everybody's saying that he's still on track to be able to start the season at AAA and be able to uh, be in the rotation from the start. We'll wait and see. Uh, that That's what's being said right now. I, I don't think anything at this point is guaranteed with Nelson, and they are going to continue to be very, very cautious with him as they move forward. Those are this week's Headlines of the Week. After every Brewers game, signing an announcement, bloggers and podcasters hit the web to give their take. Now we bring them all together. It's the Social Media Roundtable, and it starts now. Brewers Extraordinaries, the podcast is powered by WTMJ Mobile. It is time for a social media conversation. Bringing back onto the program a guy that is uh, over at BrewerFan.net, the original link reporter. This is when things really get busy for Jim, especially when the minor league season uh, gets rolling. Is Jim Goulart. Follow him on Twitter at Mass underscore Haas. That's M-A-S-S underscore H. AAS. It's our uh, it's our season preview edition of Brewers X Trains, the podcast, and Jim joins us. Jim, thanks so much for your time. How are you? I'm doing fine, Matt. Thank you. How are you? Um, I know I mentioned it briefly as we were preparing the chat, but um, congrats to our new dad, and uh, I'm doing just fine. Thank you so much. Yeah, a 10, 11 days last Thursday was the uh, was the birthday, so it's all a blur, and uh, I've been able... Last week's podcast was interesting. I'll, I'll tell you this. It, it was... 
it was a little bit tougher because that was as out of touch over a few day period that I'd been with the <laughs> Brewers in my entire time around the team. But I've locked back in this week, which is uh, which is good. And the season's game started uh, this weekend. Let's just, from a very general initial standpoint, uh, what's what's your excitement level? What's your uh, I guess optimism level uh, about this Brewers team going into the season? It's been an eventful even just week, yeah. hasn't it been? Yeah. I mean, my goodness. Um, the, the, I think we knew from the very beginning when the schedule was announced that that was going to be daunting in and of itself. But you still get hyped up with the absolute enthusiasm and excitement of a new season, particularly coming off of last year. And then you balance the super exciting news of the three young pitchers getting slotted into the two, three, and four spots in the middle of that rotation. And um, I didn't think they were going to be going with, with all three initially. I was like, how are they going to you know, just justify this and make it happen that all three are going to be um, part of this? And obviously we're talking about Peralta, uh, Woodruff, and Burns. And yet here it is. We have this lineup that could be eight deep, and we know it's at least seven deep. It's, it's a balancing act because now you learn about Jefferson Canable. Optimism's high, schedule's tough, injuries are factoring in, and we've got these. I told you, it was, I was fortunate enough to be on, I think it was your 100th podcast on the series uh, several weeks ago, and I mentioned at the time, I said that the Brewers are the envy of MLB with the three young stars. And sure enough, uh, not only does it look like they're going to be slotted in, these aren't courtesy assignments. Looks like they've prepared to thrive. They may not. There's going to be some struggles. But that's the most exciting aspect of the season for me, looking looking forward. I, it almost felt unbrewers-like. I feel like one of the things that I've thought about Craig Council since he's been the manager is that he's he's not super comfortable giving young pitchers that that big opportunity and we it seems like at times they've been very slow and there's nothing wrong with being you know slow but it just seems like at times they've been you know even more deliberate than maybe other teams about the way they are going to uh work in young pitchers and then all of a sudden he makes the comment well it was time you know for these young guys to finally get their opportunity and it surprised me, but I also think it's a good thing because we've—you do have to give those guys that opportunity at some point in time. I think what's so unique here is that um, all three of the pitchers, there's no concerns about okay rookie status uh, if they're going to be uh, special. Super two yeah. specifications. Um, keep them down for the first two weeks of the season to hold an extra year. They all have enough experience and just enough flavoring, if you will, that there's no innings limits. That they're really, if they are able to thrive, this is going to be an amazing story. And the fact that they all came together—they're not all the exact age. In fact, the split is, I think, was it 26 for Woodruff soon, or 20 and 24 for Burns, 22 for Peralta. It's just amazing how it all came together. And I think part of it, Matt, is that the Brewers just haven't done this before. I mean, Ben Sheets was Ben Sheets, but where have the others been? And you can't even consider like, you know, Taylor Youngman came up and had nine great starts to kick off his career. But 
we all knew that that was a bit of a mirage, and there wasn't the hype train, um, you know, the hype train that had begun and built up. The postseason of Woodruff last year, the post the, the, down the stretch of Burns, the, the the and I'm just the biggest Freddie Peralta fan. I mean, I think I mentioned it um, a few few times back when I was on the show um, with you, but um, Freddie Peralta. Of course, he just, just lights up the room. There's such an it factor there. And then I think it was Adam McAlvey on a recent um, uh, podcast elsewhere that uh, talked about uh, his amazing fingers and hands and what he's able to do with the ball for a guy who's not a big guy but has. And I'll, I've said it then, and I'll say it before. Look, I'm not comparing him line for line with the greatest pitcher I'll ever see in Pedro Martinez. But Freddie Peralta, from the curly hair to the personality to the big smile to his mastering of the English language at a very young age and, and being able to do that uh, quickly once entering the Brewer system. If the change-up and stuff ever comes around, but I'm just so high on Freddie Peralta and thank you Adam Lind and thank you David Stearns. Uh, lottery tickets once in a while do hit and I know that Powerball's up to like three quarters of a billion dollars this week. Well, uh, let's just all consider at least for the moment I'm having fun with my Freddie Peralta as his Powerball lottery ticket winner here. Uh, the, so with those three guys being in the rotation, the odd guy out is Chase Anderson, and they say he's going to start the season in the bullpen, but they also have the caveat that he's going to start at some point in time. Clearly, you don't go through the season with just five starters, so if you read between the lines, that first time that they need somebody else to start, it's going to be Chase Anderson. So do you view this? do you view Anderson in the bullpen as – a guy who can realistically contribute in the bullpen or is the bullpen just a holding spot for him until they need him to start for whatever reason? Isn't it something that when Chase was coming off that 2017 season and his agent negotiated the deal that they did and the Brewers locked in flexible cost certainty. What I mean by that is salaries for 2018 and 2019 and then two team option years relatively friendly and there wasn't anybody who really had any problem with that because barring injury what could go wrong in 2018 or 19 that would make the brewers regret that deal or look back on that deal as is basically being sour i think it's what 6.5 million for 2019 and sure enough it's almost, it's not hard to fathom because we're talking Chase Anderson here. We're not talking, um, you know, a top of the line uh, pedigree, but still solid enough that I don't think anybody saw this as being, wow, he's not even a consider. Well, he's a consideration. Ryan Braun mentioned today, I just, I just read the quote earlier this afternoon, how you've got the five, um, five guys in the rotation and then we've got Jimmy coming back, and you know he didn't really, I guess, chase his part of that equation. But to me, he's going to have to figure things out in almost blowout type games or mop up situations, or somebody leaves in the third inning and we need to um, somehow bridge to the sixth and an eight to seven game or something like that. It's just I'm, I don't have high hopes. I think um, Chase is a, a kind of a routine 
guy or it seems that way as most starters are. And um, I don't want to say that the excuses are built in, but in some ways the excuses are kind of built in for Chase. And obviously I want him to, to do well, but um, I'm not holding out a lot of hope for that situation. From a bullpen standpoint, and we've have we've got a little bit of good news on Jeremy Jeffers here. It seems like he's the the rehab process or whatever you want to call it. Uh, just the process of him kind of uh, getting back throwing again uh, is moving maybe a little bit quicker than we originally thought. But Corey Knable is going to be on the injured list to start the season. We really don't know. I mean, that's a that's a that's a big unknown, and different specialists and different doctors are going to look at it. And you know, everybody says he's expected to pitch this year, but it's not out of the realm of possibility that. At some point in time, something's going to happen where he's going to have to maybe go on the shelf and get surgery and be out for an extended amount of time. How concerned are you right now with the bullpen, especially from a seventh, eighth, ninth inning high leverage standpoint? If we see new bullpen coach Steve Carse actually warming up at some point, <laughs> um, that, that that could be that could happen uh, at this point. Um, it's going to be. Interesting to say the least. Uh, I don't think they're going to touch Hater's role. They said they might push him back a little bit, so we'll never see him in the in the sixth inning, so to speak. But I think there'll still be opportunities where he's going to be the seventh and eighth inning guy for six outs at a time. I don't anticipate him closing games unless the situation falls, you know, as it will, maybe like it did ten times last year, where the lineups and and the game inning by inning situations uh, called for him to close it out. But who's going to step up in the meantime? And the Alex Wilsons of the world, have they? They haven't made a final decision on like the Jake Patrichka and and uh, Mr. Williams and Barnes. Um, yeah, Barnes. Those three are spots, yeah, right? Have right. they? No, those three guys are still going for the final two spots as of eight thirty-eight p.m. on Sunday, March twenty-fourth. Yeah, and Jacob Barnes is. You know, it, the numbers say he's done better than he has. I, I just think there's something about the situations that he's occasionally placed himself in that, that has, has soured a portion of the Brewer fandom. Let's hope that this offense, which we haven't quite touched on yet, uh, allows for some, some nice cushions because until we actually see it happen and see it manipulate itself, it's going to be tough to have supreme confidence. Um, I have some, but it's not a, this isn't a bunch of, you know, stiffs that they, they're pushing out there. It, it's not. But until it all comes and gels together in, in what's going to be a really tough schedule situation, as we already touched on, it's just tough to say, oh, yeah, I feel really good about this. And, of course, having um, a complete question mark for the final three outs is is troubling, to say the least, I guess. Would Craig Kimbrell ease many fears for you? Yes and no, because I don't care. I don't. I'm not sure where, where he's been throwing up to this point. Yeah. But you don't start throwing 95 mile per hour gas three days after signing a contract, and it's as we speak today. It's March 24th, right? And we're four days away from opening day. So I don't want to keep harping on the schedule, but these early series with the Cardinals and Cubs, he he wouldn't be available for those, regardless. And I, it was interesting because when John Heyman, you know, John Heyman has the ear of Scott Boris and for him to come out 
and mentioned that. Am I mistaken here? Is, is Kimbrel's a Boris guy, correct? I believe so. I'll, I'll double check that as you're I'm, answering I'm sorry, this question. I didn't mean to put both of us on the spot with that comment. And but if that's the case, um, when Heyman was the one that said, "Oh, the things are really warming up and such," that lit a little bit of you know a light under me saying, "Okay, this this could really be happening." And yet at the same time, I was just like. No, because Kimball's going to ask for more than one year, and it does a two-year deal make sense with pushing more money to next year. Uh, but our owner, Mr. Atanasio, got such a taste last year, last fall, of just how close this all happened, and the whole organization. I could see him getting swept up in in signing on, signing on to that happening, but... I, that would be amazing, but questionable at the same time, if I can, if that makes any sense. He is actually not a Boris guy. He is a Dave Meter guy. and Thank you. Thank uh, you. Okay. Meter and Heyman seem to be pretty tight as well. Appreciate that. I knew there was a connection somewhere, and yep. I, I probably should have known that coming in, but um, you know, thanks for clarifying that. Um, one thing that I think of when I hear Craig Kimbrell, I keep thinking of Greg Holland last year. It's the, almost the exact same situation. A guy coming off a really good season, signs basically on the first day of the season, and he was a complete bust with the Cardinals. And you need spring training. You, know, you mentioned where has he been throwing, what has he been doing. We don't really know. And I, Kimbrell's better than Holland. I'm not trying to – it's not apples to apples here, but that – a high-level relief pitcher asking for a whole lot of money who doesn't sign until the first week of the season, that scares me. That That's a lot of money to give a guy, and there's no guarantee that they'll be able to regain the form. They may, but they may not. It's, um, it, it's a situation where I just am not craving the signing right now. If it happens... We'll look at all the machinations and figure out if it makes sense and when he's going to actually start throwing. And, and But I'm not clamoring for it, and I don't anticipate it happening. I think Atlanta is, makes a lot of sense. And this, could this be the situation we finally see where somebody who has that draft pick allocated uh, towards his signing finally says, you know what, I'm going to have to wait till after the, the June draft when that's no longer going to weigh on people and teams now know exactly where they lie with their bullpens and maybe he gets the $90 million contract that he was seeking at that point um, and he can do what he needs all, all spring long. This could be one of the, the first times we see that unique situation happen. It's, it's a conversation for a different time, but that's not good for baseball. Absolutely not. Baseball's got a lot of work to do. It's well publicized. Uh, it's nice to see that some discussions are already taking place. But this uh, whole comp- this whole news about the, the, the draft pick compensation, we thought it had waned maybe a little bit in the last couple of years with more guys accepting uh, the status. But when basically a Hall of Famer, future Hall of Famer, potentially uh, has to face something like this, 
it's it's not a good look for anybody involved. No, absolutely. All right, let's get in the offense a little bit. A deal made today, and uh, you were the one to uh, break it on social media, so congratulations to you and uh, kudos to you, Jim. But uh, Eric Kratz basically said he knew he wasn't going to make the team as of February 1st, so he's been uh, you know just playing through spring training. He meant so much to this club last year, but the moment they signed Yasmani Grandal, it was going to be really tough for him to make the team. And it's tough to you got to take emotion out of things, and that's easier said than done. Here's a guy who fit in so well in the clubhouse, came up with so many big hits, uh, and, and his presence in the clubhouse is clearly going to be missed, but there just wasn't a spot for him on the roster. So yeah, it, it, instead of maybe lamenting his clubhouse presence not being there, it seems like almost more of a time just to really appreciate what he was able to do down the stretch for the club last season. Absolutely. Uh, that. That division series against the Rockies will always stand out with us. And just the other moments that he captured throughout his arrival, really. Um, And the Brewers did exactly what they needed to do. They had to hedge their bets against any injury to Grandal or Manny Pena. Pena did have a tweak uh, just not too long ago. Uh, we just saw Scooter Jeanette go down with the Reds, and you know, last that that type of stuff happens in the last week of spring training. So the, the Brewers couldn't; they they had to hold their cards. They had to hold Kratz until t- till this point, and they they served him well. They kept him in the loop throughout, apparently. And um, I wish he had found a home with what was going to be more of a contending team. Mm-hmm. Um, but playing out in San Francisco. Uh, playing with some a lot of other veterans, I saw one of the funnier uh, tweets that I saw this this week was that he actually brings down the average age of the Giants lineup. I thought that was pretty clever. Um, yeah, mass appreciation. I don't know when the Giants come to Miller Park, but you can bet that there will be. Uh, a nice standing ovation waiting for him upon arrival. Again, okay, he he profiles out as a guy who's going to be coaching baseball when he's done. If he doesn't end up on TV, I mean, he's so well spoken, and uh, I don't know for sure what his plans are, but I think I would not be shocked if he ended up back in the organization somehow, some way in the future. Yeah, it's it's really uh, you know very David Rossish, and and uh, there's there's a story to be told there yet, and. He will be the beneficiary of that story, I think, uh, no matter what happens down the road. All right, let's get into this team's offense a little bit more uh, before we uh, wrap things up with you. On paper, it looks like a real, the moment they signed Yasmani Grandal, clearly uh, they were going to be an even better offense. And then it, it's so far so good with Mike Moustakis at second. I know we're going to see some stumbling blocks here and there with him. There's just no way that you don't. But uh, his bat, and I, I'm excited about seeing Moustakis' bat at Miller Park for a full season. I think he's going to have uh, a pretty good season from an offensive standpoint and maybe put up even better numbers than what you would have taken last year with his time with the Brewers, even if you project those over 162. This looks like one of the better offensive clubs in the National League. The word I keep coming back to, and I don't want to overstate it, but is monster, and I'll tell you why. Because I can see... Uh, let's just put Christian Yelich automatically in that category, okay? Uh, when you say, oh, you could have a monster season, uh, he's lined up to have monster seasons for the next, you know, half a dozen years minimal. So, um, but then you see the numbers and you see the, the, the things behind the numbers with Travis Shaw and you go, wow, he's 
he's lining up for what could be a monster season. And then you think about Yasmani Grandal in this ballpark uh, for 140, 145 starts, and you go, wow, he could be lined up for in terms of just catcher relativity, right? A monster season. So we haven't even mentioned yet uh, the Aguiar and Thames combo. Thames is healthy, coming off a healthy spring. We'll see how many at-bats line up. But, of course, Jesus uh, shows early signs anyway that uh, he's ready to can't replicate that first half from last year. So I won't put first base in the monster category, but let's put it in the very good category. Uh, let's put left field and center field in above average territory. Arcia is the question uh, in terms of, you know, but it's going to be better than it was last year. So I think we just need the entire lineup. Yeah. And there's no question marks, right? I mean, it's, it's locked in and there's a reason the position group was kind of defined early on. As soon as they went to, they knew they were going to go with 13 pitchers. And, uh, I still think that, you know, there were guys who were going to see action this year that obviously are going to be toiling in triple a. I look at triple a and I go, you're going to have Mauricio Dubon and then you're going to have Saladino and other guys. And not only a Spangenberg and Saladino going to triple a, they may not even be, on the field together every single night. The, the, the young guys there that have to play as well. It's they'll be up and down, but the, the reason they'd be up and down is because of injuries, not because of performance or inconsistency. It just means that uh, it, it's time for the offense to step up and not finish sixth or seventh or eighth in run scored in the National League. They need to be one, two, or three, and they're certainly capable of that. We will see, but it's obviously encouraging, and it's encouraging the fact that what gets home crowd more excited than just a, a mashing monster offense uh, with speed and veteran presence, but not aged veteran presence, uh, should be a lot of fun in that regard. All they need from Arce is from not to hit 160. I mean, like you're not asking much from exactly. him. Yeah. So it's uh, and I, I am interested. I'm I'll you know the the f- number four outfielder spot is so important mm-hmm. with this team because of Ryan Braun's not going to play every day. Uh, Lorenzo Cain is an older guy, and even though he played so much last year, uh, he's somebody who has had some injuries at some point in his career. There's no guarantee that he can you know. So that that's the only like spot that I'm curious is, you know, is, is Gamble going to be able to, to do enough as the number four outfielder outside of that? I, I don't see a lot of question marks, but he profiles as a number four and that's important. A lot of people know that we just knew as soon as we heard the trade announced, you know what? Domingo Santana is going to go off. He really <laughs> is. I know that we, we can't go just by the Japan grand slam in, in the opening game, but uh, given the opportunity, he is going to, to really have fun out there and post some big numbers. But that just wasn't going to happen. It couldn't have happened here. So the only thing you can question is, was the return uh, viable for what they got for Santana? But coming off of the year that he was, for the most part, regardless of what he might project to do, uh, 
uh, Gamble seems to have made sense. It looks like he's fitting in well. He's finishing he's finished spring training strong. Uh, every word seems to be confidence coming from council and, and the group on that. So let it roll. Uh, I think it's going to be, again, left-handed bat should be just fine. And uh, if Bronny can play 125, that's what we're looking for then Gamble's going to slot in just fine. Jim, uh, take me through, and look, generally by this time of the year we get into a little bit. You know what, I'll ask you one minor league question before we get out of here because you you follow it so much. What's what's the thing, what's the single thing, whether it's a single player, a single team, a single position group, what's the thing that you're most intrigued by going into this year's minor league season? I think it's the, the top and the bottom. Um I think it's it's San Antonio. It's going to be the novelty of, of being down there, the novelty of that town being a AAA city for the first time, and with a team that is just uh, youth-laden, a team that isn't necessarily uh, unhappy about being in AAA, if that makes any sense, um, with guys that... There was a progression, right? It, these guys played, for the most part, together in the lower levels, and we saw a strong double-A team last year in Biloxi, and now the bulk of that is is there in, in San Antonio. And at the, the very lower levels, I can't wait to see what the makeup is of the Wisconsin team. I heard um, Chris Merring interview Matt Erickson this week, and, and Erickson talked about as many as seven 19-year-olds being on the club. Hmm. So there's guys that just we basically just know some of the numbers and some of the profiles from uh, from rookie ball last year. So it'll be fun to see what happens there. And we can't even dig in quite yet, but two rookie ball teams, still a team and a half uh, with one shared team in, in the Dominican. And those signings have seemed to have been a little bit more excitable to, to follow than, than past years. I do think it's going to be a tough year at the, the mid-levels of the organization. They're going to have to win a lot of 3-2, to 4-3 to three games. Um, but maybe some future um, role players develop out of those clubs. But I think for overall standpoint, a lot of the focus is going to be on AAA and in Appleton. Great stuff is all. And a couple kind of sidebar comments on what you just said. First off, Mm-hmm. 19-year-olds in the Midwest League, that's tough sledding right there. I think those kids are going to learn very quickly how tough pro ball is. And then you made the comment about uh, AAA baseball, a group of maybe guys who are not unhappy being there. And I think what that alludes to is AAA is the one level where very few guys want to be there. It's it's a lot of guys who are looking to make that next step and get to the big leagues or guys who have been in the big leagues and are you know bummed out that they're at AAA. There's a very short window for guys guys kind of prospects who have been at double a and get to triple a there's a really short window for guys to kind of be momentarily content about being at triple a and that that moves to discontent very quickly so i i I think that is something really notable that you just said yeah i think that the triple a guys they'll be fine until about the fourth of july and then they'll be itching for their opportunities but i think right as of right now um, with the exception of possibly some of these 40-man roster bubble pitchers who are waiting to be among the guys that are going to be constantly up and down uh, this year among the Brewers' bullpen. Uh, 
among the position player core, you know, Ray and Urseg and, and Stokes and even Tyrone Taylor back for another year, um, they can't be, they're in a position where they're, they're there to make some hay and, and really further cement their future opportunities. Uh, this is not uh, a veteran-laden situation. So, yes, I think we agree that that's going to be fun. All right, takes uh, for folks who uh, found this podcast, get into baseball season, want more Brewer stuff. You've got a great community over at uh, BrewerFan.net. Tell folks how to access it and what they're going to find there. When you go to BrewerFan.net, BrewerFan.net brings you right to our forum section where um, you can join in and uh, basically take conversations in a variety of forums where there are major league topics, minor league is going to be obviously kicking in big time now. Uh, the transaction rumor thread obviously uh, will be a little less active at this point. It really enjoys its uh, spawn in the, in the fall and winter. But a good community. You know, every year I tell myself I'm going to cut back on link report. We're going to tweak. We are going to tweak it a little bit this year to make it a little less demanding. I think, I think Matt, Twitter... And MILB.com in particular, um, MILB has really tightened things up and made so much more available in terms of video and, and, and their coverage. Um, I go back to 2001 and the early part of this century, really, with, with trying to collect minor league information and the inroads that have been made. Uh, if you're on Twitter at all, and I know not everybody is, but you can get a lot of, of coverage from the affiliates and everything else. So we're, we're still going to do our collection of work at Brewer Fan, but it, it may be stripped down just a little bit. I think where we can really do our part is helping bring information um, once that DSL season kicks in in the Dominican and the rookie ball seasons. I think we can provide some extra background there. But uh, we'll still be there for everybody, and uh, we hope that everybody joins the fun. And it's going to be a good ride. Uh, but Let's talk big focus on the big big league level as well. 2019 uh, should be huge. Great stuff, Jim. Again, encourage people to follow you on Twitter at Mass underscore Haas, M-A-S-S underscore H-A-A-S. Uh, next time we talk, we'll be able to talk about baseball being played that matters, and that's exciting. Always appreciate your time and look forward to talking to you again real soon. Matt, um, have a great season with all your coverage, the, the post-game stuff that you do, the, the, the other – work and interviews throughout the week uh, much appreciated uh, so I'm going to try to keep up with all the, the audio links and, and such throughout the year that we do at Brewer Fan so uh, if, if anybody's looking for a central place to pick up all this great conversation and hopefully it was great tonight I enjoyed it I did too. Um, then, uh, then let's just keep it, keep it rolling baby awesome thanks Jim thanks Matt Jim Goulart joining us. We certainly appreciate him taking some time with us as uh, we get set to wrap up this edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. As far as what's coming up this week, Monday and Tuesday, the team in Montreal for a couple games against the Blue Jays, and then that's going to wrap up the exhibition season on Wednesday. They will have an off day, and then the season is set to begin on Thursday. They're going to open up with a four-game series against the Cardinals on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Thursday's game is going to be a 1-10 start. Then on Friday, 
it's going to be a 7-10 start, a 6-10 start on Saturday, and on Monday, or excuse me, on Sunday, it's then going to be a 1-10 start. So that's going to be your opening series for the Brewers, a four-gamer against the Cardinals. And uh, that's a Cardinals with Paul Goldschmidt and everything expected to take a step forward this year. The National League Central is tough, and in fact, their second series of the year is going to be on the road when they go to Cincinnati for a three-game series against the Reds. We'll talk more about that on next week's podcast, but the Reds appear to be the most improved team in the National League Central. So nothing is easy this year in the Central, and nothing's going to be easy for the Brewers, but they are poised to certainly, if things can fall right, and over a course of a 162-game season, there's some luck involved in things as well. They have a little bit of luck if players perform to uh, the level that you expect them to uh, perform to. Should be a very, very exciting season. Uh, Don't forget, you can listen to all the Brewers games on WTMJ 620. I'll be with you after games for uh, Brewers Extra Innings, our post-game show where we'll be talking all things Milwaukee Brewers baseball. We'll continue with this podcast as well as uh, looking forward to getting Brewers season started. Thanks again to Jim Go- uh, Jim Goulart. Excuse me, Jim. Thanks again to Jim Goulart. We'll do that again as uh, we appreciate him taking some time, and we look forward to talking to you next week. We'll be talking about games that matter and looking back at them next week for another edition of Brewers Extra News, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to a home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.